0: And thank you, you can be seated this morning. And it's great to have you here with us, Grace Church. It's really, uh, really an honor to have you with us. And I wanted to to start this morning just by giving some updates, letting you know uh, where our church is at, where we're going, trying to keep you informed as to some things that are happening in and around Grace Church. And uh, when you leave here this morning, you will see a beautiful display in the lobby. It's our Say Yes uh, campaign for the G Kids ministry. And so what we're encouraging you to do, there's a table that has a bunch of different cards and different ministry opportunities. Uh, we want to encourage you to visit that display, read through those cards, and then we want to encourage you to say yes. Say yes to serving in our G Kids ministry. And uh, it's, there's all kinds of different opportunities, so look through the opportunities. The instructions are on the back of the card on what you're supposed to do with that card. But we just want to encourage you to say yes. Um, God is growing our children's ministry. And uh, we believe that is just a great, great time to build faith into them, to teach them the ways of God, to build a great foundation for their future. And we would love for you to be a part of that with us. So say yes after the service um, on that display. Also wanted to let you know I'm excited about an upcoming series starting in October. It's called Better Together. And what's going to be unique about this series is that we are inviting uh, five different speakers from our congregation to deliver the messages. And so you're going to be hearing five different perspectives from people in the congregation here at Grace that are going to be delivering the message about uh, being connected. Uh, That's one thing that we want for everyone in Grace Church. We don't want this to be a place where anyone stands alone, where anyone is alone. We want this to be a place where people are connected, uh, not only with Christ, but with each other. And so this series is called Better Together, and uh, we are going to be having five different speakers communicate those messages. And the whole goal, the whole desire is for you, God's people, to be better connected. Because uh, we truly believe that we will be better together. Also something else that's going to be fun. And uh, uh, as the holiday seasons are quickly approaching, we're going to be uh, uh, doing something very fun and, and uh, unique. It's, uh, we're going to be uh, doing our best to have a Charlie Brown presentation, okay? We're going to do the play, Charlie Brown. Um, We're going to do our best to do that, and uh, we are inviting those of you who are second and fifth grade to audition. If you want to audition, you want to be in the play, Charlie Brown, we're inviting you to audition for that next Sunday at 1 p.m., and we would love for you to be a part of that. So... Uh, Once again, second through fifth grade. uh, Parents, your kids, if they want to be a part of that play, we're going to have auditions next Sunday at 1 p.m. If you want more details about it, you can talk to Katie Davis. Katie, if you don't mind raising your hand there. All right. And uh, she will help you out with that, um, give you more details. That's going to be actually a very great opportunity to invite um, seekers, to invite unbelievers in, uh, to really hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's going to be a fun thing that we're going to attempt to do this year. And then lastly, uh, we are continuing our sweet September Sundays. I believe we have some sort of uh, pumpkin spice goodness. I'm not really sure. Um, But it's going to be sweet. It's going to be good. And when you leave here today, right outside the doors and under the Love This Town tent, we want to invite you to grab some sweet goodness. And once again, we're just uh, doing this for you guys to be able to connect provide some opportunities for you to get to know each other better. Also, right next to that tent is going to be a a sign up for the River Run for Orphans. We want to encourage you to sign up for this uh, event. Um, Half of the entry fee for the River Run for Orphans goes to South Africa. Um, Kelly Koski is in need of a vehicle um, and he he needs a van to be able to transport kids. I don't know if you read his last newsletter. Uh, They have been finding kids literally living in the dump Um, there in South Africa. So he needs a van to transport those kids out of the dump and trying to get them into a uh, children's shelter, a children's center. And so we're going to do our best as a church to try to raise some money for that to provide a van for Kelly Kosky. So sign up for that event. Half of the entry fee goes directly to him. And uh, we would love for you to, to help us out in that way. All right, so let's get to the sermon this morning, and I'm going to start the sermon this morning by reading John chapter 15. If you want to grab your Bibles, um, we, we're also going to have the verses on the screen, but we're going to read John chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 1 through 17. And these are the words of Jesus Christ. This is Jesus Christ speaking, and let me just give you a warning that these are some strong words, and, and some people might even view these as being very hard words from Jesus Christ. But these words from Christ are life-giving words. They are words that help us to see what the abundant life is all about. They are words that will help us to live a life with purpose. They will help us to live a life worth living. So let's check out these words from Jesus Christ in John chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 17. Jesus begins by saying this. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful. Unless you remain in me, just breathe. That was my wife's phone. That's awesome. All right. In case you were wondering whose phone that was. (laughs) Verse 5. If you have your cell phones, just push silent. Let's do that all together. All right. Verse 5. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you every everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. Jesus makes it very clear that we must produce fruit. There's no gray area in those verses that we just read. We must produce fruit. And he makes a distinction in these verses between two very different kinds of prunings. He talks about the cutting off of branches completely. Cutting them off, throwing them to the side, and they wither and they are actually useless. And then he also talks about cutting branches back, pruning them but allowing them to continue to produce fruit. So fruitful branches can be cut back to promote growth, to bear even more fruit. So in other words, God will test those branches to strengthen their character, to build their faith, so that those branches will produce even more fruit. But branches that don't bear any fruit, dead branches, those branches are cut off completely. They're worthless, to the gardener, because the gardener is looking for fruit. He wants fruit. Those branches, those dead branches, those branches that are cut off, they bring no value to the overall health of the tree. And some of those branches can also infect the rest of the tree with disease. That's why a good gardener cuts off those branches. So people who don't bear fruit for God, or those who, who try to block the efforts of God's followers will be cut off from God's life-giving power. Those are strong words from Jesus Christ. Those are strong. So what is this fruit that the gardener is looking for? What is this fruit that God wants? What is that? If God is the gardener, what fruit does he delight in? I believe Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 answers that question for us. It tells us about the fruit that will come when we abide in the vine, when we are connected to the vine. Jesus Christ, that is the vine. When we are connected to Christ, this is the fruit that will come. Galatians five twenty-two and 23, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is the fruit, church. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I have never heard a law written against self-control. There is no law against these things. There's also another type of fruit that our Heavenly Father delights in. And it's found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. And it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The souls of men, women, and children blesses the heart of God. That's fruit that He delights in. It's the fruit that He sent His Son to die for. The soul's Of men and women and children. Jesus came and died for disciples. You know, that's the win for Grace Church. The mountaintop, if you're saying, man, what is this church all about? The mountaintop peak for Grace Church, success for Grace Church is raising up disciples of Jesus who make other disciples of Jesus that is the mountaintop that is success for us that's the win for grace church that's our win pastor JD Greer puts it this way he says a ministry's success should not be judged by its size but by how well it raises up disciples who raise up more disciples you know if i were to ask you in conversation and i were to ask you how's your family doing how's your family And your only response was, well, there's five of us now. That would not only be a little weird, but you really haven't told me how your family's doing, right? But honestly, that's how most pastors answer the question. How's your church doing? Ah, we're averaging about 250 now. Sweet. Okay, that doesn't really tell me anything about the health of your church. If I really wanted to know how your family was doing, I would want to know, are your kids healthy? they healthy how are they doing are they growing up to be responsible adults if i want to know about how, how your family's doing i want to know like are you are your needs met do you have food do you have clothing do you have shelter how are your finances i want how's your family how's your health and you know it's the same thing with the church are people growing up spiritually in our church are people growing more christ-like Are they following Jesus? Are they leading others to follow Jesus? Do we see the fruit of God in their lives? Do we see the fruit of the Spirit in their lives? Love and joy and peace and patience and goodness, kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Do we see that in the lives of the people of our church? Now, yes, we've already talked about numbers matter. They do matter because numbers represent people. But numbers are not the only determining factor of a healthy church. There's so many other factors to take into consideration. And this morning, I want us to focus in on the fruit of making disciples. I want us to focus in on that this morning. So let me start by asking the question, what is a disciple? We talk a lot about disciples here at Grace Church. So what is a disciple? The standard definition of disciple is someone who adheres to the teachings of another. It's a follower or a learner. It refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. So, applied to Jesus, a disciple is someone who learns from him and lives like him. Someone who, because of God's awakening grace, conforms His or her words and his or her ways to the words and ways of Jesus. One of the best definitions I've ever heard of a disciple of Jesus is this: a little Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple. Is you are a little Christ. That's the win for Grace Church to see everyone become little Jesuses. Okay, to see everyone become. A little Christ. A disciple in our context means to be Christ-like, to be like Jesus. So how do you make a disciple? You know, the win for Grace Church is to be disciples of Jesus who make other disciples of Jesus. So how do you make disciples? How does that process work? How does that even look? What is making disciples? Let me just say the good news is, is making disciples can be done by everyone. To make a disciple, you simply bring someone along with you in your spiritual journey. You bring someone with you. Making disciples is about being intentional. Discipleship means teaching others to read the Bible the way you read the Bible. Discipleship is teaching others how to pray the way you pray. Discipleship is showing them to share their faith by sharing your faith. And if you have any godly disciplines at all in your life worth sharing, you can be a disciple maker. You simply teach others to follow Jesus as you are following after Jesus. Okay, there's no fireworks. There's no secret sauce. There's no seminary wizardry. Simply sharing with others how you do life with Jesus. Now, here's the problem. If you don't do life with Jesus, you're going to have a hard time sharing with others. If if you're not in God's Word, you can't really show others how to be in God's Word. If your prayer life stinks, you're not going to be able to teach others how to pray. If, If you're not sharing your faith on a regular basis... You're not going to be able to show others how to share their faith. You see how this works? You have to be a disciple in order to make disciples. Making disciples, it doesn't require years of training. It doesn't require a seminary degree. Making disciples is simply pointing people to Jesus Christ. It's telling the old, old story of Jesus and his love. That's what it is so that others would know him and worship him. Let me give you a really practical example of this. Here's just maybe a suggestion. You, I personally believe that the best way to make disciples is through friendship, through relationship. It's just through normal life. It's through connecting with others. And you build a friendship, you build a relationship, and maybe you say, hey, you know what? Would you want to come to church or you invite them to dinner? They know you're a Christian. They know you love Jesus. But maybe you take it a step further and you say, hey, would you be willing to to read some scriptures that I give you this week? Here's here's some scriptures. How about you read a couple chapters in the book of John, and then next week, hey, let's meet up for coffee, and let's just talk about what what you think those chapters mean, or let's talk about how it spoke to you. Would you be interested in that? Yes or no, right? And you, you just take practical steps of reaching out, and you're trying to encourage people to get in God's Word. And maybe they say yes, and they read a couple chapters in the book of John, and you meet for coffee, and gosh, you don't have to have all the answers, but you just say, hey, what, what did what did God show you? What did you read in the Scriptures? And you just talk about it, and you discuss things. and This whole time, you're learning while they're learning. But maybe, maybe they read a couple chapters, and you give them a couple more, and that relationship continues to the point where they say, you know what? want to put my faith in this jesus that you talk about gosh what if we did that what if we took steps like that we just challenged our friends and our co-workers our family to just read god's word and then we were there to help answer questions we were there to just help guide and to teach and to instruct that's what disciple making is all about it's through relationship so if our win is to make disciples who make disciples Let's talk a minute about what that means for Grace Church. Okay, what does that practically mean for us as a church? It means that if a ministry of Grace Church does not make disciples, we need to ask some questions. We need to ask the question, why does that ministry even exist? If a ministry is not making disciples, why does that ministry exist? So let me just be really clear. We should ask the question, is G-Kids making disciples? Is Collision Student Ministries making disciples? Okay. Are our small groups making disciples? Is Love This Dot Town, right, the ministry, is it making disciples? And if it's no, then we have to say, why not? Why, why, why is that ministry not making disciples? And then we have to ask the hard question, do we even need that ministry? Are we busy doing a bunch of Christian things and we're forgetting about the one thing that Jesus told us to do? And that is to make disciples. We need to ask the hard question, do we even need it? Church, I have to to remind us, we are not a cruise liner. Remember we talked about this, different kinds of churches. We are not a cruise liner. The church does not exist to provide luxuries for the whole family. We don't exist to provide entertainment. We don't exist to provide business networking. We don't exist to provide childcare services. If a ministry simply caters to the preferences of people, but it is not helping them to become disciples, that ministry needs to go. It needs to be cut off. It's a branch that is worthless to the health of the tree. Now let me just, you guys are like, man, you're like picking on us. Let me pick on myself, okay? I'm not off the hook either. We must ask this question. Is the preaching making disciples? Is the preaching making disciples? So let's talk about this for just a moment. You see, some preachers, man, they love filling people's heads with knowledge. They love it. They love filling people's heads with knowledge. Others are looking for an emotional response or they are looking for the applause of men. Some have the goal of entertaining people just enough so that they'll come back the next week. But the reality is, every pastor is first and foremost a disciple maker. So how do we grade or how do we determine whether or not a preacher is doing his job? What, what's the criteria? So let me tell you what the criteria is not. Okay, It's not whether or not other pastors admire my skill. That's not what it what it is. It's not based upon how many people shouted or clapped during the sermon. That's not a good judgment of whether or not I'm doing my job. It's not even based upon how we Grow over the years. Numerically, that's not really the best gauge. It's not getting everyone to agree with me politically. That's not. That's a horrible gauge. The main measurement of whether or not I'm doing my job is this. Did I move the listeners to grow in Christ-likeness? And I move you, the listener, to become more like Jesus Christ. That is a gauge that should be right front and center of Grace Church all the time. Is my preaching moving you? Is my preaching moving you to be in God's Word, to be more in prayer, to lead your family, to be more like Christ, to be in the community, to be more like Christ? Man, that's a great gauge. Because what good is preaching? What good is it? If it doesn't increase my love for Jesus or if it doesn't move me forward in the mission of God, it's worthless. What good is knowledge if that knowledge is never put to use? My goal, church, my goal is not to wow you with what I know about the Pentateuch. Okay? My goal is not to wow you with um, what I find, you know, the hidden jewels buried deep within the Hebrew language. That's not my goal. Instead, before I write every sermon, I ask this question. What do the people need most? How can I use the sword of truth to strengthen the people so they can resist sin and so that they can live in victory? Gosh, that's what I want to motivate my preaching is that the word of God will assist you Monday through Saturday. And you come and you get your tank filled back up on Sunday. Yes, let me say, church, I want to know the beauties and the complexities of the Bible. Preaching should have its subject matter in the Scriptures. But the Great Commission is just that. A mission. We are on mission. Sermons should invite people to salvation, and it should move them forward in the mission. Christianity is a movement, and movements by definition move. It's a movement. So many churches are dead in the water. We need to be moving and advancing. So I would say this. If the preaching is not moving people to action, it is not true gospel preaching. Here's the truth. Every Christian that has been transformed by the grace of God, every Christian that has been born again, was born again to reproduce. You were saved to make disciples. Jesus put it this way in John 20, 21. He said, again He said, so Jesus said this multiple times, He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent Me, so I am sending you. This means that as Jesus' disciples, we are on mission. It means in the broadest sense that we are missionaries. Every single one of us that proclaim Jesus Christ, that follow Jesus Christ, we're missionaries. We've been envisioned, we've been empowered to step into this world. Not to be a part of this world, but we have been sent into this world as His witnesses. Check out Acts 1, in verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. You are the mouthpiece of Jesus Christ. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Every Christian is born to make disciples. And man, John chapter 15, Jesus makes it very clear that a tree is known by its fruit. Grace Church is known by the fruit that we produce. We have a reputation in this community I hope it's good. We are known by our fruit. If we're not producing fruit, we need, to, we need to check our connection to the vine. Dawson Trotman, he was the founder of the Navigators, and he challenged his generation. And I just I wanted to read this to you because it was so good. Dawson Trotman, he said this. He said, in every Christian audience... I'm sure there are men and women who have been Christians for 5, 10, maybe even 20 years. But who do not know of one person who is living for Jesus Christ today because of them. Men, where is your man? Women, where is your woman? Where is your girl? Where is the one who you led to Christ and who is now going on with him? The curse of today is that we are too busy. I'm not talking about being busy earning money to buy food. I am talking about being busy doing Christian things. We have spiritual activity with little productivity. And then he goes on to say, we are to be disciples who make disciples. Man. I would hope each and every one of us could say a name we could point to an individual we know of a family that has been transformed that has been brought to Christ because of our personal influence church you've been called you're all missionaries you're on mission in closing today I just, I just wanted to do my best to lovingly eliminate excuses okay because I have many myself. And I know you have many. So I just want to pick on a couple. Because I have my excuses. and um, So I, I, want you, I want you to know I'm not just picking on you. I'm full of excuses. Often I'm full of fear. But I want us to be courageous. And I want us to be disciple makers. So I want to encourage us to stop being full of excuses. So let's deal with a couple of often heard excuses. Some will say... I don't have what it takes. I just don't have what it takes. It's too much. The answer is, is yes, you do have what it takes because you have the spirit of God living in you. In him, you have what it takes. It's not about your ability. It's more about your availability. You're being available to the spirit. You're willing to follow the spirit. It's about being willing. It's about showing up. You don't have to have an outgoing personality to be a great evangelist. Another excuse commonly heard is this. You may have heard this one. Evangelism is not my spiritual gift. I have not been gifted that way. It's just not my gift. Now, it's true that evangelism does come more naturally to some. I mean, some do have the gift of evangelism. They can walk into a room and immediately connect with people and build friendship and trust and lead them to Christ, you know? We thank God for those people who have been gifted with evangelism. But serving, being generous, living in faith, making disciples, all those are the responsibilities of all believers. And let me just say, by the way, you should ask God to help you be a better witness, to give you courage, because if you've been called to do it, you might as well ask God to make you really good at it. Pray and ask Him to help you in that area. Here's a good classic excuse. I'm a silent witness. I just witness with my life. Which being interpreted means I never say anything about Jesus. Okay? Yes, our lives are a great witness. Our lives should be a living testimony. But words are also required. We have to be ready verbally to explain how the gospel made a difference in our own life. And the Apostle Peter put it this way. He said, If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready. Often the gospel must be communicated using words. What about this excuse? Here's here's another good one. I don't have time, Pastor. I, I don't have time to share my faith. I mean, I barely have time to be a good husband, to be a good father, to be a good employee. I'm not going to add evangelism to that list of to-dos. I I just don't have time for it. Gosh, we, we are a culture of busy people. That is for sure. But here's my suggested answer to that excuse. I would encourage you, church, to be with people. Be with people. Discipleship is not something you do to people, but rather it's something you do with people be with your spouse help him or her to grow in their faith love them encourage them pray with them be with your kids read the scriptures with them talk to them about god answer their questions as best you can ask them some questions be with them pray with them be with your co-workers and when the opportunity presents itself and those opportunities will come because you're praying for them walk through those opportunities with faith and with courage and at church I encourage you be with people and then time can't be an excuse on this excuse how about this let me let me just give this as a as a suggestion what if we looked at parents let me just talk to you what if we looked at our kids sports and school events as evangelistic opportunities why not look at soccer soccer practice as a place of ministry? What if we looked at it differently? What if we looked at it through those lenses? There are probably more unbelievers in the crowd of parents at a soccer practice than there are at church. Personally, I've I've been coaching my boys in football for the last 10 years, and it has provided me numerous opportunities to connect with people, to pray with people, to share my faith with people. Stormy was on my coaching staff. If ever I needed the kids to get paid, you know, to pay attention, I said, Stormy, use your voice, man. Get them rounded up, you know. But gosh, God has used that in so many different ways to just connect, to be there when when they're going through hard times, to pray for them, to invite them to church, to invite them over for dinner, to help them realize that, gosh, I'm just a regular Joe. But the difference maker is Christ. It's provided me opportunities to be a friend. What I'm saying is this. It's basically, discipleship is basically living out your normal life, but you're doing it with gospel intentions. Wherever you're at, on the sports field, in the workplace, in government, gosh, at the grocery store, wherever you're at, you're just living normal life. As Christians, we have to live our lives. But we have gospel intentions. We're doing things intentionally to point people to Jesus Christ. And we're always ready to obey the Spirit's whisper when He says, You know, hey, Justin, ask if you can pray for them. Justin, hey, invite them to church. Hey, Justin, why don't you ask them to come over for dinner? Hey, Justin, why don't you offer to cover their medical bills? Hey, Justin, why don't you offer to pay to have their car fixed? And now we're confronted with, do I obey? Or do I say, it's too much, God. It's too much. I don't want to do it. When you're walking with the Spirit of God, you will become more aware of all the people around you in need of the gospel. You'll become more sensitive. You'll start to care more about where people are going to spend their eternal destiny. You'll begin to look and pray for ways to share the gospel with them. I'm going to end by reading John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. It says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In closing, church, my encouragement, my instruction, my preaching, my teaching is to say, please abide in the vine. Be close to Christ. Follow Him wherever He goes. Obey Him whenever He speaks. Be with Christ. Be with Christ. Be with Christ. That'll benefit you greater than anything else ever could. Let me close in prayer. Father God, thank You for this time this morning. Thank You for these people. I pray that we would take Your words, Jesus, seriously. I don't believe You were messing around when You said the the branches that don't produce fruit are going to be cut off. Lord, I pray that we would take that seriously. We would take being a disciple-maker seriously. Lord, I pray that we would realize that, gosh, all those people that we interact with on a daily basis, co-workers, family members, friends, they are living, breathing souls that are going to spend forever somewhere. We we believe, because your word teaches, that there is a real heaven, there is a real hell. And Lord, I pray that you would use us to be disciple makers, to point people to to Jesus Christ so that they can be delivered from hell, they can be set free from the bondage of sin. And not only that, but Lord, help us to not just see converts, but to see disciples. Help us to lead people to Jesus. I pray that we'd see many people come to faith, but I pray that we would not leave them there. We would show them how to live for Christ. We would show them How to pray. Gosh, how to share their faith. Which means that we have to do it first. (laughs) We have to lead by example. Gosh, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to be disciples who make disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Grace Church, once again, it was great to have you here. You were dismissed this morning. I want to invite you to visit the Say, Say Yes table. And grab some sweets. Thank you.